You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Today, we're in a series called The Gifts That Keep On Giving. And last week, we talked about the gifts that serve, motivational gifts. My hope is that everybody understands that you've been gifted with something. Like maybe you've been in church for a long time and you just felt like, like I just don't have anything to offer because I'm not somebody who speaks or is a leader. And that's not true. You are not a less than gift. Like you got to hear me because this is really important. Like so many people in the church today just feel like they're here just, just to exist. See, the gifts are abilities given by Holy Spirit to equip others and do ministry. I like to put it this way. It's your natural makeup partnered with the supernatural Holy Spirit that gives you your spiritual gifts. And if I do anything in these next couple weeks, but just to help you acknowledge your importance to the kingdom, then it's been a success. If you walk out of here in the next few weeks and you go, man, I got a job to do, and I'm, I'm excited that I'm just specially gifted. I'm a special ops force. Turn to somebody next to you and say, do you know you're sitting next to a special ops? Like, like I'm a special ops. So we have an assessment test some of you took. It's, it's a QR code over here. You could see it. You could, this is your time where you could pull out your phone and actually go on there. This is an assessment test. Listen, I want you to know you will not fail this test. Some of you get scared of tests. This is an unfailable test. What it is is an opportunity for you to discover your gifts. Now, let me say this about tests and this particular test to begin with is that this is not the end all. Because some people, like we were gathering with a bunch of men yesterday, and we're like, well, I, I thought I was this or that. Like these gifts that God gives you, sometimes things change in your season of life. We were meeting with a friend, as many of you know, uh, Canaan. I'll put him out there. Is he here, Canaan? Are you here? No, because he's married and he's getting ready to have a baby. I told him, I said, Canaan, your gifts are going to change when you have this baby. There's Macy, and that's going to happen. That, that's natural. So don't get all bent out of shape if you're like, well, back in, the, in, in when I was 18, I was this, and now I'm not. No, it's okay. Things develop. You can grow, you can change, and you can develop your gifts in different seasons. And here's the deal. At the end of this series, we are going to try to collect all the data, all the gifts in our church, and partner you with people that think like you and are gifted like you. Imagine what we could do when all the hospitable people get together. Come on now, all the discerning people. Oh man, that's a dangerous room right there. So today, today I'm going to ask you to buckle your seatbelts because I may change paradigms in this room and I may preach on things that you're not necessarily either been taught or you disagree with. And that's okay because we have a special email box that you could send all your disagreements to it's called trash at southview.cc. Send it there. We'll make sure to look at it on Monday. Some of you that are guests, yes, this is how we talk. Today I want to talk to you about the gifts that speak, ministry gifts. And I know that right away people are going to go, well, all right, here we go. Ephesians 4, give me an opportunity here to share with you what Scripture says and then to dissect it and let the Holy Spirit minister through me today. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. This is Paul speaking to the church 
of Ephesus, he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's a lot right there. We do that. Things change. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But the grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all obtain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot of stuff there that we have to work on. So that we may longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head and to Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, which was, was equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Heavenly Father, today we invite you, Spirit, to move and speak to us and use me as your vessel today. We want to learn about your word and we want to know your nature. And God, we thank you for a city and a region that prays and pastors that gather together but Lord, we lift up Texas today in the shooting that took place last night. I'm asking Holy Spirit that you will just move in that community and minister your peace and wisdom and remove confusion and fear in Jesus' name and bring life and hope. Lord, I thank you that what the enemy tries to do in our nation will not succeed. The gates of hell will not prevail, but the enemy will be and has been defeated. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you will move in like a flood and that you will minister to those that are hurting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Some things to talk about before we get into it. These gifts that we're talking about, these ministry gifts, these speaking gifts, have been referred to as the five-fold ministry sometimes. These are not necessarily titles. Let me, let me say this to you. So I'm going to expand upon this. These aren't necessarily titles, but these are functions that people function in. So you can have this function and not be titled that. Many times they are mislabeled out of misunderstanding. People have slapped titles on. We love slapping titles on things. We don't understand what they mean and where they come from. These gifts are in operation until Jesus returns. Now, I want you to understand this because Scripture talks about that these until, verse 13, until we obtain that. Now, I, I looked at all the rest after the until, and I haven't seen that happen yet. Now, I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers here today, but that's okay because I want you to understand that there is a reason why God wants us to operate in all the fullness of who he is. Because we need him more than ever. Grace is given to you for your gift that has been given to you. Have you ever said, I could never do that? That's right. 
You could never do that because you've never been given the grace to do that. So God gives us grace for the gifts that he's given us. And when in proper function, the body, the church, operates at full capacity when these gifts and these ministries are operating fully. The overall function of these gifts is to equip, to serve, and to build up the church. Now, why do we have such a problem with this? Is because I'm going to make it real simple. We feel it's more important to have a title than actually perform a function. We are so interested in the title more than just doing the work. People that love Jesus and are equipped do the work regardless if they are called something or not. If you are been gifted to be a pastor, you don't need pastor in front of your name to pastor people. And just because you have the qualities that we're going to talk about today doesn't mean you will operate in full-time office of it. There are people in this church, I know this for certain, that have a very pastoral calling on their life, but you're never called to be a full-time pastor. But you pastor people. In fact, that's the function of our elders in this church. None of them are full-time, but they pastor the people in this community. They do it well as well. So let's get started. Evangelist, number one. There's so many scriptures that talk about this kind of role. In fact, Jesus gives a great commission, you know, go out, reach the lost, go out and disciple those things. But the evangelist, this is someone who is sent to save souls and present the gospel message. I'm going to give to you a description on each one of these. Now you could say, well, that doesn't apply to me or that does apply to me. These are not necessarily absolutes, but these are characteristics of what people who function in this role have. We see evangelists where the lost are. The mark of an evangelist are salvations and healings and miracles. They have the ability to touch hardened hearts with God's love for them to receive salvation. They also are found in the midst of environments that breed sin. They're the crazy people that go into places none of us else would want to go into. They preach the gospel of Jesus primarily. They are active. They're always in motion. They do bold and crazy things. They're called to the world, not necessarily to the church. They love God operating outside of the church walls. They communicate the message of Christ with clarity and conviction. They seek out opportunities to talk to unbelievers about Jesus, no matter the situation. They are drawn to unbelievers and usually have a large network of people that don't know Jesus. Many times, not all the time, missionaries have the gift of evangelism. Now, what are the warnings for those that have the gift? They can easily become disillusioned by the church. I've heard people with a gift, we're not talking about salvation enough. We're not reaching the lost enough. We're all sitting here doing nothing. And that's because you're called to do evangelism. So you can easily get disillusioned. You can run the risk of being lost in the world. You love reaching those in the world that sometimes you can get lost in it. Many times they need to be accountable to others so they don't go off the rails. And they lead people to Jesus, but they need the other gifts to help disciple them. Usually people that are evangelists aren't very good at pastoring people. I'll give you an example of someone who's an amazing evangelist. His name is Billy Graham. And those of you that ever been to a Billy Graham crusade can say it's an absolute work of the Holy Spirit. I remember sitting up in, in one of the, uh, a, I think a stadium. I was up in a rafter somewhere. And I just remember thousands of people coming to the baseball field and just thinking, this is amazing. This man was gifted and anointed 
There was a man named George Whitefield in the 1700s. He began preaching at the age of 24, and he's arguably America's greatest preacher. He preached 18,000 sermons to over 10 million people. It was a great awakening. He planted 150 churches, preached open crowd messages, one particular to 30,000 people. He had no amplification, so at the end of it, he began coughing up blood because he had to preach so loud and teach so loud. His farewell sermon was at the Boston Commons, and more people than Boston's entire population came. It was the largest crowd ever gathered in the U.S. at the time. Whitefield said, God forbid that I should travel with anyone a quarter of an hour without speaking of Christ to them. That is the mark of an evangelist. The pastor. The word pastor is only used one time in scripture, yet we have it made and we have made it the primary function today. Pastors are nurturers. They must lay down their lives for the flock. They are healers of the broken and they're given oversight to make sure the needs of the people are being met. Just like a herdsman, there are also under-shepherds or pastors in almost every body of believers. They may not be recognized, but are active meeting needs and ministering healing to others. They never give up on people because they have a large heart. They see the good, the finished and complete person, and they have a special grace for the office. In 1 Peter 5, verse 1, it says, So I extort, I exhort the elders among you, not extort them. That was a... Maybe they do, and I would leave that church quickly. <laughs> I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. A shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the un fading crown of glory. This is a mark of a shepherd and a pastor. The warnings of pastors can be, they can become overwhelmed by the needs of those under their care. Let me just say this to you. There's not one pastor in our nation, probably even globally, that has not been radically affected by 2020 and has not been changed since then, feeling the weight of what is taking place. That's a true mark of a shepherd. Many feel the pressure to preach, and this is a concern. You may feel the pressure to preach in a way to make people feel comfortable. So you got to balance the truth and at love at all times. You can love the church and completely neglect your home. And there is a feeling in many pastors of being less than because when you try to compare yourself with the other offices. Let me give you an example of a pastor that I believe has absolutely impacted me. And his name is Tom McCoy. He was on that video. He's the country guy talking. Uh, he started his church, Thompson Station Church, Thompson Station Baptist Church, in January of 1989, when literally there was nothing here in Thompson Station in Spring Hill. And he went door to door. Him and Leanne went door to door inviting people to church. When he spoke on Thursday night, they opened and closed the service. You could feel the love of a pastor. Like, I felt loved, and he has been an absolute mentor to me. And when I think of pastors, I think of Tom McCoy. The teacher. The office of the teacher is one that stirs others to know the truth. It's more than explaining. It's carrying an anointing that brings change. Teachers love truth, and they love to study. They are avid readers and study topics in multiple ways. They are generally scribes and historians. They expand on what apostles release and prophets speak so that others can clearly understand. 
They can teach line upon line. They carry a divine, supernatural ability to impart knowledge above the natural way of doing. True teachers will never teach doctrine or error because they will study in depth before even giving new insight. They are an office with a main thrust to study and give away what they have learned. Teachers explain things from many different angles so the person is sure to understand. Some warnings with teachers is that sometimes we can combine the pastor and teacher, and that's not always the case. Many times you'll be under a pastor who's actually a teacher, and sometimes we'll see a teacher who we consider a pastor. That's not always the same way. They're not always wired the same. They love learning ideas, so sometimes a teacher can become very idealistic, which without being kept properly can be dangerously led to becoming legalistic. And some people that teach can get so lost in the text that they make it all about that and they forget about the grace and mercy of God. So that's the concern. Sometimes they can become impatient with people's learning and process. They're always like, just would you get this already? That's probably a teacher. Great teachers can make people believe anything, hence the need for truth. Because that's why we have so many false teachers in the church today. One of the great teachers of our past, his name was John Calvin. He was in the 1500s. This is where we get Calvinism from. And he converted about 23 and published 20, actually changed many institutes that we know about today. At the age of 28, he settled in Geneva and established intense academic schools. Later, he established a university. He's the father of modern education in numerous countries, including the U.S. Now listen to this. Calvin promoted education for everyone. It was a revolutionary concept now that has become global. In fact, literacy influences people. In the pagan nations, China and India, with very little exposure to the Word of God, literacy rates range from 0 to 20%. If you go to Roman Catholic countries, it's 40 to 60%. Protestant-influenced countries, the literacy rate is 94 to 99.9%. What he realized is that those people that knew God and knew the Word actually had a higher literacy rate. U.S., it, he established and spoke into, in fact, many people believe that the first 123 colleges and universities have a Christian origin, and they could trace it back to Calvin's influence. That is a teacher. Now, the last two, I saved them for the last because those are the ones that we bicker and fight over nonstop. Some people would say they're not in operation today. Now, I'm going to present to you some information that I believe, and you can take it any way you want, but what they will say is Ephesians 2. It says in verse 19, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. They believe, many people believe, that those two offices of the prophet and the apostle were established to start the church, but are no longer in function because they're no longer needed today. Now, I will show you through description and also through scripture where I disagree with that. The reason why I disagree with that, again, it comes back down to this. I don't know a God that is worth his weight that would give gifts in a time of need and then remove them when we greatly need them like today. I don't know about you, but many communities still need the apostolic and the prophetic gift. Now, here's the reason why many people run away from it. 
It's because we have mislabeled the gift and have improperly called people prophets and apostles when they are not those things. But here's the deal. I don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Just because we've seen certain people do things wrong doesn't mean we stop using the gifts. I'm going to put it this way. There's a lot of wrong pastors out there, but we still believe in the pastoral gift. There is a lot of false teachers out there, but we don't stop putting the teaching gift on each person. And I'll even go a step further. There's a lot of crazy evangelists in the world, but we still call people evangelists. Why is that? I think because there's a reason much greater. It's uneducated people in the word trying to pull things out to stop what God wants to do. So let me just say it this way. I believe that God still gives these gifts out but people have mislabeled them and have improperly called themselves that. So today, let's talk about the prophetic gift. I'm going to talk to you not necessarily about the office as I am going to talk to you about the function as well. So you can function in the prophetic gift and not be a prophet. Okay, let's keep going. You're going to love two weeks from now when we talk about the manifestation gifts. Come back. That's a little teaser. Prophets speak from a revelation of the heart of God in a matter. It is not by perception, but by inspiration. They are foretellers and revealers of the intention of God. They move in an inspirational gift of 1 Corinthians 12 in words of wisdom, prophecy, and words of knowledge. Most prophetic people also experience prophetic dreams and are filled that are filled with symbolism and visions. Prophets speak more than individual prophetic words, but prophetic words or messages that shift spiritual atmospheres over regions. Now, I want you to hear me. The number one job of a prophetic person is not to prophesy, but to train the people to hear God. When people can hear God in a region, it is as just great or even greater than a prophet releasing a word over a region. They need to be preachers or teachers to some extent so they can teach the word and partner with a prophetic vision. Prophets' hearts are broken over sin. This is a special ability God gives to some to proclaim the word of God with clarity and apply it fearlessly with a view to strengthening, encouraging, and comforting the believers and the convincing of unbelievers. This special gift whereby the Spirit empowers certain Christians to interpret and imply God's revelation in a given situation. An Old Testament prophet would speak for God, and if he missed it, he'd get stoned. A New Testament prophetic office encourages and trains people to hear God for themselves and help build up the church to become all it was intended to be. So let me give you some warnings. The prophetic people can speak warnings without compassion, a.k.a. Jonah. You're all going to die. God bless you. <laughs> Jonah had to have a change of heart and an encounter with God. They must balance God's judgment to sin with God's love for humanity. Sometimes they have a hard time functioning within most churches so they can easily go rogue outside of it. It can be hard to admit when they miss it, a.k.a. 2020 elections. Can I just go off script for a moment? Hmm. If
if you're hearing from the Lord and you miss it, just say you're sorry. You're wrong. I messed up. Now, let me just explain something because many of you go, well, that's a false prophet, right? Paul talks about that. That's not a false prophet. That's where we get it wrong. We think a false prophet. Somebody said to me, well, if they get it wrong, they're a false prophet. That's not true. You don't know the word. Read the word. What is a false prophet? It's not someone who gets the future wrong. Because if that was the case, then everyone, the pastor, the teacher, do you know how many people preach and get things wrong? So we can't throw all of this out. A false prophet is this. Matthew 7, who comes to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. A false prophet, Matthew 24, 24, perform, perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. A false prophet in 2 Corinthians 11, if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted. Romans 16, do not serve our Lord Jesus, but their own appetite. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. It's not that they miss it. It's that they intentionally try to manipulate and control people for their own purpose. So there are people that operate in a prophetic calling and function that are gifted by God to decipher the signs of the times. We need to partner those people with the church so we can partner discipleship with what God's saying. I'll give you some examples in my life, two men that I know have a prophetic calling on their life that absolutely, 100%, have spoken words over my life that have come to pass. One of them was Jim LaFoon from a church called Bethel World Outreach, and the other one is Ed Trout, who's been here many times. They have spoken into my family, into this church, and I've seen them come to pass. It is not something they could have known on their own. It was a gift by the Holy Spirit to encourage me, to strengthen me, and to keep me on the straight and narrow. I'm telling you, there are words that I'm sitting on that hold me fat hold fast to the promises of God that I've seen come to pass as an encouragement for me to keep going the apostle the apostolic it's a governmental gift given to bring the church into order and increase authority and anointing apostles or the apostolic gift it's a forerunner introduce new dimensions of spiritual life they are kingdom focused over an individual body. An apostle is actually the only office Jesus appointed and it's the only office commissioned in scripture. A true apostolic gift does not need to be promoted or even declared by oneself. Be careful of people that say, I'm apostle so-and-so. Just, are they doing it? If they're doing it, they have an apostolic gift. I'm gonna make it real simple for the church today. The fruit of an ap apostleship is evident by the love for correct doctrine and they are intolerant of false concepts and teachings. They have put in place dynamics that continue to expand and grow when they're no longer around. They start things and those things flourish. Birthing a church does not make a person apostle. An evangelist can do that. Running a large church does not make a person apostle. A good administrator can do this. Apostles are counselors to other ministries and investors into emerging ministries. Their leaders, leaders are attracted to the apostolic because they know the person will know how to place them and how to make them grow into the gift they are to be. Pioneers and risk takers, they help set things in order and maintain spiritual flow. 
They are visionaries who help pull people out of their comfort zones. They produce like-minded sons and daughters of the same faith as apostles draw other gifts to them, train them, and then release them into ministry. They can pioneer and establish new ministries or churches, and they often oversee ministries or groups of churches, many times considered leaders of leaders like Paul and Peter and John. They see the purpose of all the gifts and offices and help to function within the house of God. Now, here's the warnings. False apostles will claim authority bigger than what God has ordained in Scripture. They don't function within the confines of Scripture. They make things up. They are the ones that start cults where they are the spiritual authority. They desire the respect and honor without operating in the basic ingredients of the gift to equip, to serve, to build the church. It's not to create their own platform. See, this is easy to me. I can see the apostolic on people around me. I see it. I acknowledge people that have a gift to start things and movements, but they don't go around telling everybody to give to their apostolic ministry. Many times it's just natural. It happens. Where God gifts you, he provides for you. I didn't seek out being a pastor. We didn't sit in our living room one day and say, man, wouldn't it be great people called us Pastor Mark? Whew, be so exciting. No, just begin to pastor people. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, people begin to see the gift in you. See, this is what God intended it. There was a man named Hudson Taylor. He was from the UK. He had no theological degree. He was small. He was weak. He was frail. He began his ministry at 19. Instead of becoming a physician, he actually became a minister of the gospel. He moved to China and he was gripped. Listen to what he was gripped with. This is the mark of a beautiful leader of the Lord. He was gripped with poverty and controversy. Sign me up. He took no offering. He was overworked. He preached at 58 Chinese cities in 25 days. 51 of those never been visited by a Protestant missionary before. He almost died many times. Who wants to sign up for this? He was criticized. Fully adopted the Chinese language, the clothing, the food, and the culture. And here's where I know that this man was gifted with an apostolic gift. Most Chinese Christians today would trace their spiritual ancestry back to Hudson Taylor. Change the nation. God has placed people like this in our culture today. We mislabel them. They mislabel themselves. People are quick to call themselves something. Just do what God's called you to do. There's people in this room. You are evangelistic, but you don't need to be called an evangelist. In fact, you love your job. <laughs> but everywhere you go, you stop and you want to talk to people about Jesus. In fact, if you're married, your spouse would say, here we go again. I'll be in the car. Because you just love sharing the gospel. Now, most people would say, I agree with all that. Then where's the problem? False leaders can mess everything up. We are so fixated on catching false leaders that we're missing real leaders in front of us. You know, it's funny. I, I subscribe to a lot of different things on YouTube, uh, vlogs and different things where they talk about the church. And some of them I disagree with. I watch just so that it challenges me and I learn from them. And, and it's interesting how many times we will be quick to jump on ministries that go astray. And I understand there's times where you, you want to enlighten the church to things that are off. But I've, I've been involved with ministries that have been picked apart online. It's interesting when you get to know people personally and you hear the real story, how you'll form a much different opinion. And I would encourage many of you not to form your opinions off of somebody who has a camera and a YouTube account. 
Let me say that again for everybody all over the place in this room. It's very important that you don't get your spiritual doctrine and belief system off of some person in their basement with a cat broadcasting their thoughts. Might I remind you 2020, some of you were deep into rabbit holes of conspiracy that never came to pass and it revolved around somebody in a basement with a cat. The reality is we must go to God and know his word and walk in discernment and know how to test the spirits. So here's what I want to do before I land this plane today. I want to give you the four P's on how you can test the spirit. It's the person, the purpose, the platform, and the process. The four P's, the person, the purpose, the platform, and the process. Notice I didn't say preference because many times your preference will taint the way you see things. Number one, what's the person? What are they about? First John 4 says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. You ever remember back in the day how we used to test batteries? Anybody remember that? Put it on your tongue, go back in time. Ooh, that battery had power. <laughs> test the spirit. Thank God we moved on from there. There's a lot of people missing brain cells from testing too many batteries. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Listen. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world today. Can I tell you some spiritual Antichrists in our world today? You want to know what they are? Muslim, Hindu, Islam, Hare Krishna, my own belief system. Those are Antichrists that many times we celebrate in our nation. Explaining testing of the Spirit. How many have the gifts of discernment in here? Just put your hand up if that's you. We need you in the body of Christ. You're the people that sit like this and, hmm. But when you finally figure it out, that's when you know that something's right. I don't have that problem with anybody saying, I've been coming to your church for a while. I'm just checking it out. Good. You're discerning whether this is your home. That's the right thing to do. There was a man named Zig Ziglar. Anybody remember Zig Ziglar? <laughs> the old, you can't forget that name. He was a Christian American author, salesman, and speaker. He said this, live in a way that if someone should speak badly of you, no one would believe it. Philippians 1.27 says, live your life by worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come or see you or I am present, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Let me share with you some things that I look at when I see someone that is called into ministry. Number one, I want to see how your family's doing. I never want to follow somebody that their family's in complete disarray. Doesn't mean that you may not go through hard times. It doesn't mean that your kids may not go through and dumb, do dumb things. But the reality is if my wife is a shell of herself, something's not right. I want to know as a leader that you're investing your time, your talent, and your treasure. Don't tell me to do something you're not doing privately. So great leaders, whether apostolic or pastoral, they're investing their time, their talent, and their treasure. And then last but not least, and this is by far not the most exciting, glamorous stat anymore, is longevity. 
I can get behind someone like Pastor Tom McCoy because he been, he's been here for centuries. He's been doing this. It's easy to start a church and for the first year be the best church on the block. But show me what happens when you go through hell. Show me how you navigate through pandemics. Longevity is important. Number two, what's the purpose? Does it line up with scripture? 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. When I get around you, do I feel better about myself and the future in front of me? Drain me. See, the speaking gifts, the ministry gifts, they're never meant to, listen to me, they're never meant to make you rich, famous, or more important than the gifter. In fact, Ephesians 4, we started by this. It says that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the bond of peace. In verse 12, it says to build up the body. If we're functioning these five gifts in this church, this church will be healthy and balanced and grow and stay steadfast to the Word of God and walk it out and reach the lost. There will be a radical revival if we're doing what the Word of God says. Number three, what's the platform? Ephesians 2. Then you know no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. He's the main plumb line. He's what we base everything about. In him who the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The church has the gifts to balance out the house. When everybody's functioning together, the pastor's not getting crazy, the teacher's not teaching heresy, the evangelist is not running around crazy, the prophetic isn't going off the rails, the apostolic isn't taking everybody's money and wearing gold robes. These things are functioning together. This is a balance. The ministry gifts are in place to keep everyone accountable. And the last one, What's the process? How do we test the Spirit? Acts 13. The church is new. They're trying to figure this out. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then, listen to this. After fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. See, we're so quick to put titles on people. Have we fasted? Have we prayed? Have we sought the Lord? He will speak to the church and He will raise up gifts. Have we positioned ourselves to truly know Holy Spirit in a way to discern His plans? And I'm going to say this, and this is how I want to land the plane today. The process centers around this question. How ripe is your fruit? Spiritual fruit indicates the validity of the spiritual gifts. I'll say it this way. The fruit of the Spirit holds the gifts of the Spirit accountable. The charismatic church has done such a good job of, of, of making an example of the gifts without focusing on the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If we have those gifts, we have the fruit, the gifts will function. I want to follow a leader that strives to be fresh fruit for the church. The church operates best when it's partnered together with common purpose. National Day of Prayer. 
so many different leaders. If you were there, you heard people pray loud and you heard people pray soft. One of my favorite prayers was a man by the name of Hewitt Sawyer, African-American preacher and teacher down this main street, 431, 31, one of the oldest churches in our community, absolutely the oldest African-American church. And I've sat with him, I've talked with him personally, explaining to me the struggle of being an African-American in those days, trying to learn the gospel when their pastor only came once a month. When he got up and spoke on Thursday, he wasn't fast. He took his time. Had his wife next to him. And he talked about a Pentecost moment when he came to know Jesus as a young adult in his church. I need Hewitt Sawyer in my life. I need Journey Biker Church, my friend Jim O'Brien, all tatted up leading a church at the Harley-Davidson in Columbia. That's his church. See, what we experienced on Thursday was the diversity of the church. And many of those pastors, some of them are teachers. So we feel like in order for me to be full-time ministry, I got to be a pastor. I got to get a pastoral doctorate. I got to, and you may not be called to pastor. And teachers are the worst pastors. Evangelists are the worst pastors. And pastors are the worst evangelists. Listen, we need you in your gift to see the fullness of the body. We just sang the fullness and we want the fullness, but we only want what's comfortable to me. Sorry, you didn't write the word, neither did I. We just have to obey it. So here's what I want to do today. Do something different. Last week we talked about the gifts, the serving gifts. And I asked you, if any of these gifts hit you, would you stand? And pretty much the whole church stood. Because you're all called. Today I'm going to do something different. I'm going to ask you today, are you called to full-time ministry? Now let me just say this because this is not a hiring process. You're not going to have a job here, just so you know. (laughs) Not inviting you into an application. Isn't that how we do it, right? Like, I want to be a pastor. It's got to be at Southview. No, God may call you to actually start a church. Some of you are evangelists in this room. And and God wants you to acknowledge that your job is to be a full-time evangelist. Now, let me just say this again. You can have the function of the gift and not be in full-time ministry. So I'm going to release you today because some of you are amazing pastors and you work at Kroger. That's good. But if you feel in your spirit and you feel called to full-time ministry, I want you to stand right now. I want you to stand. Come on. There's a lot of people here. I know it. It was in the first service. So I'll wait for you to acknowledge it because it feels kind of self-serving. I know that. That's okay. That's okay. I want you to stand. The reason why I'm asking you to stand today, some of you still aren't standing. That's okay. I'll give you time. I'm going to talk a little bit. I know there's more people in here. Why am I asking you to stand? Because I want you to acknowledge today that God, I am wanting you to lead me fully in my calling. Come on, that's okay. It says eagerly desire these things. You're not doing anything wrong by standing. Yes, I would hope our staff would stand. Man, you should be standing. Thank you. Do I need to preach the message again at home? What do I want me to do here? What more can I do? (laughs) Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. He told me to do this. 
I want our elders, those of you that are leaders here today, I want you to go and just, just lay your hands on these people today. I want you to lay your hands. I'm not asking you to pray some long prayer, but I'm going to read to you scripture before you do. 1 Timothy 4. I want to read context. Paul is affirming and writing to Timothy. And he says this. He said, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. Those of you that are young, Tori, you're not too young. Leanne, you're not too old. Leanne, you don't have too many kids to do this. But set the believers as an example in speech. Listen to me. This is your commission. In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Elders, come on. Those of you leaders, Pastor Josh, I'm going to ask you to do this too. Man, would you please do this? Just, just, just lay your hands on them. That's it. No, no dangerous prayer, just simple thing. Practice these things. Immerse yourselves in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourselves. Mike, you're taking too long. And on the teachings, persist in them. So by doing so, you will save both yourselves and the hearers. Come on, there's people in the back there. Leon, look at him. Look at him go. Positioned in the back. Here's what I want to do today. I want to acknowledge something before heaven today. That you are called to ministry. It's a dangerous thing to say, but it's a rewarding thing to say. Peter, hear me today. Your calling is unique, my friend. It's different. You're not to fit a box. In fact, the way that you will get into this, it will be different than anything else you've ever seen. But it's without a doubt the Lord has gifted you to love people to share the gospel to teach truth to them it's natural in you so I acknowledge you today and I encourage you don't give up those of you standing today I want to give you a little insight in what God has done in my life he's blown me away by how he's allowed me to preach I didn't go to school for music. I, I went to school for music. I didn't go to school for, for, for preaching. And I, I don't have a doctorate on my wall. Some of you are like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to teach this church. But you know what I have? I have experience. I've been in the church. I grew up in the church. I fell asleep on the pew like my daughter right there. I've done these things. I know what it's like to love the church. And sometimes we get in our head where we go, God, I'll do it if you do this, this, and this. And sometimes God's like, won't you just stand and acknowledge that I will use you for my glory? So here's what I need you guys to do that stood up today. I know the rest of you are like, well, where do I fit in this? You fit. Those of you standing today, I need you to say yes to the Lord privately. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. And even if it doesn't look the same way, Pastor Mark or anyone else in my life, it's going to be good and beautiful because God is behind it. Think about a moment as we get ready to sing this song when the disciples are in the upper room. They're all gathering because they heard someone's coming. This Holy Spirit's coming. They go look like Jesus. All of a sudden they're in prayer and in worship. And it says the sound like a mighty rushing wind came into them and tongues of fire were above them. And they began to speak in different languages. Peter gets filled. Peter, the one who denied Jesus, gets filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and speaks an evangelistic message. And 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus on the spot. You can't tell me that's not a move of God that they didn't plan for. And I'm telling you right now, none of them felt qualified. 
They had walked with the Son of God. No one in that group thought, we can do what Jesus did and even better. But you know what happened? The Holy Spirit filled them. They said yes to it. And something transpired in their life that transformed history. And you and me, my friends, today, we are a beneficiary of their yes. So just for a moment, think about this. Who has God called you to change? What nations are you called to transform by the power of the Holy Spirit? Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.